Y'all awake? Yeah, maybe. It's actually 7.30, right? I hear people all the time say, why don't we just do away with time zones? And uh, What is it, Arizona has? Yeah, I don't know, but we're here. It's a new day, so you can either look at your problems or be part of the solution. <laughs> That's part of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. Um, if any of you have, have been here for any length of time, you know that we're going through the Bible in a year and uh, we are using uh, the Version Bible app and the Bible Project Bible Plan to do that. Uh, if that's something you're interested in, um, the Bible app, little brown Holy Bible app icon. Um, if you go in, if if you got it, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, ask me. Uh, just type in Bible Project Bible Plan and. If, if you want to follow along with us, but should be somewhere close to Joshua 10 if you've been doing it, and uh, it's, it's been cool to see how God has kind of brought Israel out of Egypt over the past month or so, and they've wandered around, and if you know anything about the Old Testament and, and kind of where we're at in the Bible, if, if you don't, I'll help you get there. Um, so Exodus, the Israelites exit Egypt, right? And uh, they go through these things and Moses leads them. Moses is the chosen one called out. And uh, what happens in Numbers 13 is, round Numbers 13, is Moses, remember, he strikes the rock instead of speaks to it and God says, you're not going to enter the promised land. And um, Moses dies, Never gets to enter the promised land. But you, if you remember around, somewhere around there in Numbers, I can't remember exactly, they are like right across the river from the promised land. And remember Moses sends out 12 spies and Caleb and Joshua are two of them. And they go and they see these big people and they got a big cluster of grapes. And they come back and they're like, you know, the land is awesome. There's grapes as big as I've ever seen and milk and honey and all these cool things. But there's some giants there, and there's people that look scary to us. And ten of them are like, no, we ain't going back. And Caleb and Joshua are like, well, I think we should do it because, why? Because God said, what, he would be with us. And they don't do it. And then, they, so they disobey God, and, and then they get the judgment of God, and then... A couple of them, a handful of them decide, well, we better listen to God now. And God says, well, don't go now. I, I, you didn't listen to me the first time, so don't go now or you'll get killed. They, some of them go anyway and get killed. Well, it's funny, they're like so close to where they're supposed to be. Something that was supposed to be a two-week journey ends up taking them 40 years and they end up wandering in the wilderness because of their disobedience. And how often, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. How often have I not listened to God and His plan for me never changed, but I made it take a lot longer than it was supposed to because I didn't have faith. 
Well, we're still, same scene, same scenario, just a little bit later on in the story. Moses dies, Joshua's the chosen one, right? He gets called to, he's Moses Jr., in a way. Uh, well, Joshua gets uh, called to be uh, kind of the successor to Moses, and now they're right there at the promised land, but guess what? There's people there. And if you have land and somebody comes and tries to take your land, what are you going to do? You're going to fight for it, right? So they have to go and conquer these people in the promised land that, that were there before them. And uh, so they start having these battles. How many of you know about or remember, I mean, the walls of Jericho, the battle of Jericho, what happens? That's in, I think, chapter 7 of Joshua. Uh, they walk around, well, that's in chapter 6 of Joshua. So the, the wall of Jericho falls after they march around it seven times. And, and they're like, I'm, you know, if you're in a battle and God told you to walk around the person's camp seven times, you'd, you'd probably be a little doubt or fear in your heart, wouldn't you? But because of their obedience and their faith that God is with them and it's God's strength and it's, it's not yours, right? So they defeat Jericho, then they go and to Ai, and uh, what happens? Uh, when they go to defeat Ai, one person, one person, I think, if you remember, Caleb and Joshua are the only two people that are left from the original exodus of Egypt. Because what did God say when Moses did what he did? None of the people that left Egypt will never see the promised land. So that whole generation of people died. And Caleb and Joshua, because of their faith and obedience, were the only two that are left. So Joshua's the only person that is still existing from the original leaving of Egypt. And, but he's, remember, there's, there's over a million people in this um, nation, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, and one guy, his name's Achan, disobeys. And um, I don't remember the whole story, but uh, he did something he wasn't supposed to do. Uh, he broke God's covenant. Um, and because of that one person, God allows AI to defeat the Israelites. And then they end up going back a second time and defeating them. Well, here we are in Joshua 10. And this is where the story is going to pick up. Verses 1 through 5, Joshua 10. Now, Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had captured and completely destroyed Ai and killed its king, just as he had destroyed the city of Jericho and killed its king. He also learned that the Gibeonites had made peace with Israel and were now their allies. He and his people became very afraid when they heard all of this because Gibeon was a large city, as large as the royal cities and larger than Ai, and the Gibeonite men were mighty warriors. So King I'm going to say King A.Z. That one's a hard for me. Hard for, so, all right. So King A.Z. of Jerusalem 
sent messengers to several other kings. Hoam of Hebron, Piram of Jarmuth, Japheth of Lachish, Deber of Eglon. Come on and help me destroy Gibeon, he urged, for they have made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. So these five Amorite kings combined armies for a united attack. They moved all of their troops into place and attacked Gibeon. So this whole year, all of Bobby's messages have been, God said it, right? God said it. Are you close enough to him not to miss it or to see what's happening? God said it, wait just a minute. We're fixing to see. But what happens when you oppose God? In those first five verses, what are those people doing? Oppose means to be opposite of, right? They're going against God. Well, if what happened to Achan? Well, he got killed. Remember, nothing can stop God's plan. And God keeps his promises. God does what he says he's going to do. So it's kind of not smart of us to not obey God. Verse 6 and 7. The men of Gibeon quickly sent messengers to Joshua at Gilgal. Don't abandon your servants now. What happened in the previous chapter is the Gibeonites hear about Joshua and the Israelites and they've defeated Jericho and Ai and the Gibeonites are, get smart and say, well, we don't want to be a, opposed to God. We don't want to be opposite of God. So what do they do? They put on old saddlebags and old wineskins and old sandals and old clothes and ride to the Israelites' camp and act like they're from way far away and they want to be allies. And they deceive the Israelites. Well, Joshua finds out and kind of gets mad, but he's already made a promise with them that I'm going to help you, protect you. We're going to be allies. But what does he do? He makes a promise to them. So Joshua keeps his promise. Because why? Because he's a man of God. He's a man of integrity. He does what he says he's going to do. So these Gibeonites are now, you know, they're, they're hitched to our wagon. They're part of us. We have to deal with it. He makes them their servants. But the Gibeonites say, that's why the Gibeonites say, come quickly and save us for all the Amorite kings who live in the hill country have come out against us with their armies. After being tricked by the Gibeonites, Joshua and his leaders could have been slow about their attempt to rescue them, and instead they immediately responded to their call for help. How willing would you be to help somebody that deceived you? Just shows you what kind of person Joshua is. Verse 8 says... Sorry, verse 7. So Joshua and the entire Israelite army left Gilgal and sent out to rescue Gibeon. Do not, and set out to rescue Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord said to Joshua, for I will give you victory over them and not a single one of them will be able to stand up against you. 
Do you fight alongside God? What does God tell Joshua? Do not be afraid of them, for I will give you victory over them. He doesn't tell him how, why, when, where. He just tells them, I'll be with you. Don't be afraid. I'll give you the victory. Do you fight alongside God? How many, uh, a song, when I read that verse 11, you know, or sorry, verse 7, you know, how many of you have heard the song Waymaker? He is a waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. He will make a way. Joshua knew this. So what happens? Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and took the Amorites by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic and the Israelites slaughtered them in great numbers at Gibeon. Who defeated the Amorites? Joshua or God? It just says Joshua took them by surprise because he went traveled all night, all through the night and attacked them. But what does it say? The Lord threw them into a panic and the Israelites slaughtered them in great numbers. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Horon and attacked them at Azekah and Makeda, killing them along the way. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Horon, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm that continued until they reached Azekah. The hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. He's a way maker. Nothing you can do can stop God's plan. So you can either fight alongside God or you can be opposed to God. And I'm sure nobody in this room would raise their hand and say, I'm opposed to God. I don't want I want to be opposite of God. I don't want to. But how often does our lives, our values, do your life does your life match up with your values? Does what you say you believe match up with what you do during the day? How do you fight your battles? How many of you would say, I'm in a battle right now? What, is, what does Ephesians say? For, for we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and authorities I think we're always in a battle spiritually maybe physically you're not in a battle I don't think too many people in here fight physically all the time but spiritually we're in some kind of battle whether you and the devil doesn't want you to acknowledge it you know that can be opposing God to just be dormant and to not think about it at all or ever ask the question. I'm in a battle right now. I think everybody's in a battle. How do you fight your battles? I heard uh, somebody say one time, you know, I've uh, really worked on my marriage. I've, I've made my marriage stronger. Me and my wife are closer together and and guess what happened? 
devil started attacking me through my children. And the only way I know how to fight this battle is on my knees. That was the, one of the wisest things I ever heard anybody say. How often do you get in a situation and you think, you know, well, let me fix it. Let me figure out how to make this work. Let me figure out how to solve this problem. What can I do? And you forget that you have something that nothing in this world can take away. And it's inside of you if you have believed and received it. And that's the Holy Spirit. There's a song. I, I, I don't know why I thought of so many songs this week. But there's a song. This is how I fight my battles. And they, they just keep. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded. But I'm surrounded by you. I think this was Joshua's attitude. Because he did a lot of things that didn't make a lot of sense. But when God spoke to him, he acted on it. What happens to your faith when it's put to test? Because it's easy. On Sunday, we're in the comfort of these red chairs and air conditioning. And and, uh, we're at the beach. And, you know, it's it's great. It really is. Uh, Bobby says, you know, we we get to vacation year-round for those of you that are on vacation but and it's easy to sit in there on Sunday and you know clap and amen and mm-hmm, that's good yeah Ooh. but what ha- you know I believe all this that's great I'll yeah if God told me to go I'd go I'd be just like Joshua oh yeah but what happens when you get back out there in the world on Monday what happened when, when gas is $5 a gallon and when groceries go up every week and, only, and everybody's sitting around in their huddles complaining? Or, or when, in my case, when your daughter gets diabetes and nobody in your family has had it and everybody's healthy and, and nobody can explain it. And then your whole schedule's got to change. And then you got to say, instead of, well, why me, God? What did I do? I'm being obedient. That's the worst thing. When, you, when you're being obedient, when you are following God and everything don't go your way, what do you want to do? You want to stop talking to God, don't you? You want to stop. Like, well, this ain't working. I'm not getting all the benefits. It's not what it's about. Do you trust that God's going to do what He said He's going to do? Verse 11. As the Amorites retreated down the road to Beth Haran, I already read that verse. Verse 12. Sorry. They retreated, hailstorm, hailstorm killed more. Israelite more of the Amorites than the Israelites did with their swords. On this day, the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, and Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel, and he said, Let the sun stand still over Gibeon 
and the moon over the valley of Asia. Well, about y'all, but are y'all close enough to God to pray something like that and expect it to happen? What happened? Verse 13. So the sun and moon stood still until all the Israelites defeated their enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Joshua? The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and did not set as on a normal day. The Lord fought for Israel that day. Never before or since has there been a day like that one when the Lord answered such a request from a human being. Then Joshua and the Israelite army returned to their camp at Gilgal. Are you close enough to God to see the miraculous happen? Because that was a miracle. So much of a miracle that it ain't never happened again, according to what this is. And, you know, there's all kind of, we could, we could, I could spend the next 10, 15 minutes talking about the science behind how that might have happened. I don't care. It was a miracle. Because of Joshua's relationship and faith with God, God did something that nobody else could do. I don't care how he done it. I just want to, you know what this makes me do? This makes me want to be close enough to God that I see the miraculous happen and I notice. Bobby says it all the time. I, I now almost unconsciously say it. Every prayer I pray, God, don't let me miss what you're doing today. When everything around you is suppressing you, or when your circumstance don't let your circumstances dictate your life. Life is not fair. It's not supposed to be. Thank God he's not fair. If God was fair, what would happen? We'd all go to hell. Because that's what we deserve. So in thinking about that, do you have a victim? Or victor mentality. Kylie, can you put that picture up for me? Thank you. So, Monday. Now, I'm, I preached Wednesday night, so I can only do one thing at a time. That's my mind just, you know. So, John put his picture up on Facebook, either his Facebook or the Gathering's Facebook, Monday. And just scrolling through Facebook on my phone, I noticed it. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Well, I'm preaching Wednesday, and it's Monday. So I can't be thinking about Sunday on Monday if I'm preaching Wednesday. That's just how it is. So I have, I have no idea this is the message. Um, you know, Bobby's kind of made an outline for going through the Bible this year. But, you know, I'm not paying attention to... I'm like a week behind in the Bible plan, too. So I'm still in Deuteronomy, or Numbers. Um, so, you know, don't feel bad. <laughs> uh, anyway, John posts this picture. And, you know, uh, I probably noticed it about Friday. But I can't help but say, God, put that in my path for today 
And I, I can't remember what I used to think or how my mindset used to be before, but how many of you would write that off as a coincidence? Or how many of you would miss that, that God, each and every day of your life, put something in your path for you to notice or for Him to just touch you and say, I'm still here? Do you have a victim mentality or a victor mentality? Something that's really cool. We don't have time to go through it, but Joshua, after this battle, Joshua takes them five kings and lines them up and steps on their heads and cuts them off and shows his men what victory is and what it looks like. Do you have a mentality like that? Like I said, you can't control what happens to you in life, right? But you can control how you handle it and how you respond to it. So a victim mentality would be, uh, look at what you did to me. A victor mentality says, look at what I did for myself. A victim mentality desires comfort and lies. Tell me what I want to hear. And a victor says, I want to hear the truth, even if it's unpleasant. Do you have somebody in your life that can tell you the truth, or you just got a bunch of people around you that agree with you? A victim says, I can't succeed because everyone or everything is against me. I can't make ends meet because the price of gas is going up and groceries are going up, and you know, well, I'll just be broke. I will succeed. A victor says, I will succeed even if the entire world is against me. Why? Guess what? If you're a Christian and a believer, guess what? It ain't just the greatest part about all this is it's not just reliant on you because of why. Because you have the Holy Spirit if you've believed and received and you have somebody on your side that the world can't get to. A victim looks outward and looks at their circumstances. And a victor looks internally on what's inside. What's inside? Holy Spirit, right? If you've believed and received. Jesus, we talked about this a little bit Wednesday. I didn't realize it for a long time, but Jesus gave up His Spirit. Because why? Father, Son, and Spirit, they're all the same. The three in one. And I know that's a whole confusing thing for people, but there's no limits to God. You can't limit your mind to what God is and can do. But Jesus Christ, God's only Son, gave up His Spirit. Not just a Spirit or the Spirit. They're not separate. He gave up His Spirit for you. A victim makes you defensive, discouraged. A victor finds a way to get motivated and get to work. Did Joshua say, God spoke to Joshua. What did Joshua do? He went. It requires action. He didn't just, well, God, I, you know, you're going to have to do it. And I'm, you know, just going to sit here until you do something. A victim makes you feel attacked. And a victor makes you feel pushed to greater things. A victim mentality says, just leave me alone. And a victor mentality says, keep making me better. 
When your circumstances are so overwhelming, I, I said it before, when your faith is really tested and your circumstances are out of your control and beyond your reason of logic, what do you want to tell God to do? Just leave me alone, God. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Or do you look at it as in, keep making me better, dear Lord. Keep growing me and stretching me and refining me because I know you're going to use me for something greater than myself or something better. A victim mentality has an outside influence, and that's the strongest tool. Whatever's happening in the world is what dictates their life most of the time, what the world says. And a victim mentality has an internal influence and is internally influenced, and that's what really matters. And I'm not talking about them. I'm not talking about just them, their self. They don't rely on just their self. If you're a Christian, you have something. Which one are you? Do you say, woe is me? Look at all these circumstances. Do you make excuses? Or are you a victor? Because guess what? We already have the victory. The battle's already been won. Well, why don't we live like it? Why does every time something happens in the world, we have to talk about it? I'm so tired of talking about what's going on in the world and gas prices and Russia and Ukraine and every time I have a conversation I got to talk about things that don't matter. If you truly believe this is not your home and that this is temporary then why don't we live like that? Us meeting together, us gathering, you are gathered here today, that makes you the gathering. Bobby says it all the time. What are we gathering here to do? To encourage one another, to love one another, to fellowship, and to spur one another along to do greater things than just worry about ourselves, right? Joshua had that mentality, that integrity, and that was why something that has never happened before happened. God can do anything, anytime, anywhere. Only thing I want to encourage you to do is don't close your mind off to what God can do just because it's out of your reasoning or understanding. And don't let, you, let your circumstances dictate your life. Remember, you got the victory. How do you fight your battles? If you try to figure it out, and come up with a plan and a will and a way, then it might be like Aiken. I don't know. One last verse I want to read to you. Uh, just another, you know, God drops little crumbs along your path every day. I'm studying yesterday and, and, um, the verse of the day yesterday on the Version Bible app. It's 1 John 4.4. 4. Let me read it to you. If I can get there. But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won your fight with these 
false prophets because the spirit who lives you lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. The battle's already been won. Question is, do you believe it? God said it. Wait just a minute. I got this. Battle's already been won. Do you believe that? Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, reminding me that uh, we have victory. We got victory in Jesus. Because of what Jesus did, he paid the price for sin. And it's paid for. He took on hell and and gave us a way, dear Lord, not just to get to heaven, but a way to have a relationship with Him. And, and dear Lord, it says, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that we don't just have heaven to look forward to, but we have things here in this life, dear Lord, that, uh, that You want for us. And, and that we could experience a little bit of heaven here, dear Lord, if, if we've had that victory and that freedom only the Holy Spirit can give. God, I pray that whoever's listening to this, whoever's in this room, dear Lord, if, if they're going through a battle, dear Lord, that are going through something that, that is just beyond their mind, dear Lord, I just pray that they would remember and know who they are and whose they are and that they are a child of God and that God... You keep your promises. Dear Lord, I pray if there's anybody that that doesn't know you, dear Lord, that they would just ask, come to know you. Dear Lord, I thank you for for letting me be a part of of any and all of this, dear Lord. I just pray that we'll remember that that your word is is the truth and, and that if we hide that in our hearts, when all these Things come and, and, and no matter what happens or changes, dear Lord, we have your word and your truth and, and stories, dear Lord, like this to remind us that you are a way maker. You are a miracle worker. And that only thing we have to do is be close enough to you to see it. God, I pray that uh, we'll just receive whatever, whatever you have for us in these next few moments and and that we'll just have faith to, to do whatever you're calling us to do. I love you. Amen.